you're listening to In The System, presented by Puck Preps. Each episode will bring you extensive coverage of the NHL's top prospects and exclusive interviews with the best in the business. Hello, everyone, and we're back in your life once again. It's uh, It's been a while since the last episode of uh, In The System, but... You know, we're back and we're excited to talk prospects with you guys once again. Uh, I'm Rain Hernandez and joined with me as always is Patrick Talon and Kyle Watson. And uh, I think we're about a week into the NHL regular season. And boys, what are what's everyone's first impressions on uh, their respective teams and everything that's been going on so far? Uh, it's been pretty good so far. Uh, the Canadian division is definitely taking a toll on the mental health. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, we all knew it would be exciting and be crazy, but it's been a, it's been a ton of fun. And to think every time when, like you play a team, you have to play them nine more times. It builds the animosity and builds the, a pretty heat, heated rivalry. So it's been exciting, but it's been pretty stressful. Not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh's looked pretty up and down. I mean, Sidney Crosby's still showing that he's a top player in this league with that OT winner against Washington again. Uh, I'm really excited to play Washington so many times because that's always makes for uh Good hockey, but uh, with a couple of our defensemen injured, I'm really not looking forward to seeing more of Mike Matheson and CeCe. But yeah, like Pat said, overall, I've also been enjoying the Canadian division and uh, I'm excited to just have hockey every day. The Hawks suck. I don't know what else to tell you. you know? <laughs> uh, it, it's tough to win games when your top two centers are out long term. Uh, I'm hoping for a tank and the tank is going pretty well so far. It's tough to watch the games. Hey, you know, three cups, can't complain, right? Three cups in the past decade. So, I mean, I, I can sleep at night and, you know, losing these games makes it all better for the future when Owen Power comes back to Chicago or say we lose the lottery and Jesper Wallstedt's our future number one goalie. So, nonetheless, uh, you know, it, it's been tough and uh, the Hawks stink and it's brutal hockey. But, hey, Patrick Kane's still the greatest American of all time. So, yep, complain. You know, anyways, uh, rookies, uh, first impressions, I guess the, everyone was been, has been really focused on Alexi Lafreniere, but you know, it's been a rough start for him. What have you guys seen from him so far? Yeah, I've only seen a handful of Rangers games so far, probably about half the ones they've played. And I haven't noticed Lafreniere. He hasn't been noticeably bad, but I haven't noticed him in the way that I think people expected him to start. And this kind of ties into something I wanted to bring up and that's the expectations rookie ha- rookies have going into it. And I feel like that kind of changed when McDavid and Matthews came into the league and had such strong starts. We kind of forgot that rookies have slow starts and this has been a theme forever. You look at even maybe not McDavid or uh, McKinnon's rookie season, but his sophomore slump, you look at dry rookie season, like these people have struggled. Uh, Jack Hughes, Capo Caco, Yasperi Kakaniemi. This is a list of, of rookies who haven't always gotten off to a, a hot start. And even though Lafreniere hasn't, he hasn't been noticeably bad. Um, he's been making the right plays. There were a couple sequences where he's been on the ice with Panarin, making good passes, some really smart give and goes. And I just think the Rangers specifically look like a team that's going to be really good in five years. That's going to be good really soon. And, um, I think given given the pandemic, given the divisional realignment and all this stuff, people shouldn't worry about Lafreniere because he still looked good, but he just hasn't been hasn't been getting on the score sheet. I'm going to have to disagree with you a bit, Patrick. Um, I, I'm not blowing it out of proportion here. I still think Lafreniere is going to be good. Uh, I still think he's going to be as good as we thought he would. But in the first couple of games for me, and I think you're right that the lack of hockey he's been playing could could be the reason that he hasn't looked so good, but he just looks passive out there. Like, um, 
you know, watching him, he's not going into battles on the boards. Uh, he's not making crisp passes. He, he looks a little, little afraid out there. And, and that's not something I expected. You know, when, when we talked about Lafreniere, he's a year older than, than a lot of like Byfield, like he was an older player in the draft. And um, there was a lot of expectations that he was NHL ready. He was going to walk in and be a 60 point guy, which I still think can happen. But um, you, you're talking about the expectations we put are too lofty on rookies after McDavid and Matthews. And I think there's some validity in that. And, uh, but I just think he's, he's looked a lot like you, you saw in Hughes and Kako last year. And obviously it's a much, much smaller sample size, but he's making the same sort of poor plays that they were. And I just really hope he can turn it around and I do expect him to turn around, but so far it's not encouraging for me. Yeah. I think that's uh that's something that I guess sort of shows with the world junior type situation where, Hey, if you send them, you know, your players are going to be, you know, in tip top shape. They're going to be used to game speed, stuff like that. You see with Dylan cousins, he actually looks really, really good. in uh, in Buffalo right now, you know, he's, you know, it looks like he's comfortable out there and whatnot. And, you know, you see with Laugh and Nick Robertson, you know, and he got injured and, you know, he was supposed to play for the U.S. and Laugh could have played for Canada. So it, it makes you think a little bit like, hey, you know, if they did play, maybe they're, they're a bit better for when the season starts. But then you also have the other side of things with, you know, Kirby Doc and, that there's that risk too, where he could get injured and it, it, it sucks. So you get to see both sides of the argument with the sending your NHLers to the world juniors, but you know, that, that's what it is there. But uh, I think the big talk among, I guess, prospects and, you know, young stars is what the 2019 first overall pick did a few nights ago. And that was Jack Hughes against Alexi Lafreniere. And he had four points and he's looked absolutely fantastic uh, this year. And you can tell that he's made some big adjustments to his game. He added the 14 pounds of muscle and you can see it. He looks a lot stronger out there, a lot more confident. And, you know, this is why you don't give up on a 19 year old after his rookie season. It's the dumbest thing I think. And yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you touched on it there, the 14 pounds he added. And I watched that game against uh, the Rangers when he completely blew up. And it's weird. Cause I remember looking back at New Jersey last year, Jack Hughes was coming in and P.K. Subban was the big acquisition. Taylor Hall was still there. And I was expecting that to be the year that New Jersey really did something special. And obviously that wasn't the case. But Jack Hughes looks like a completely different um, player. He's more engaged physically. He chases the puck. He seemed a lot more passive last year, not really making those plays. And um, I've I've been pretty impressed so far. And I hope he continues it. Because, again, like people were ready to call Jack Hughes a bust. People were ready to call Capo Caco uh, a bust so quickly last year. And I think this speaks to the bigger issue is – is how much patience and, and leash we give to, to prospects who like they take time and not everyone can jump in the way, you know, the players I mentioned did. And, and I have no doubt in my mind that Jack Hughes is going to be an excellent player. And I, I hope he continues because I think he's proving a lot of people wrong. And I think some of the narrative around him, like just got a little silly, but I'm happy to see him doing well for sure. Yeah. Considering, you know, the analytics community really ripped into Hughes and Kako last year, but Kako especially because Kako yeah. was like statistically one of the worst players in the league last year. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I, I think I saw something like, you know, even if Kako performs at like a replacement level uh, pace this year, that like he will be immensely improved. But with Hughes, like his five on five numbers have looked incredible this year, which is really promising considering how poor they were last year. Um, I think people are taking it a little uh, too far. You know, people are saying that New Jersey looked like a playoff team, which maybe they do in four games. But look at that division, man, Philly, Washington penguins islanders i mean i would even argue that 
I would see the Rangers making the playoffs before uh, before the Devils. You know, they they haven't looked so good to to start, like I said. But like with you got Panarin and Zibanejad, I think they're going to make the playoffs first. Um, I wanted to go back to, and talk about Lafreniere. Um, you said that uh, you know he didn't play in the World Juniors, so he's going to look a little rusty. And I think it's really important that. Um, they don't give up on him super quick. Like, or sorry, you, you said that they're going to look really good in five years. Well, I think maybe they're going to look really good in maybe two or three years. So I think it's really important that they just keep giving Lafreniere top six minutes. You know, like even even if he goes through rough patches, him to just like he's not going to be much use on the third or fourth line. So just to get him used to playing with those top guys, I think it's going to pay off because really, are, are they going to win the cup this year or next year? No. So I think it's important that they they get him used to playing with those guys now. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think right now he's playing on the top line with uh, I think he's on the Strom line. I think either way, he's he's playing top six minutes right now, and you know they should continue to give him that because he's the first overall pick. He's the face of the franchise at the moment. Or you know when you when you get drafted first overall, you 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 are the face of the franchise. So uh, there's a lot of expectations on him, and you know as a rookie, it, it's tough to dominate. Not everyone can be you know, Matthew scoring 40 goals in his rookie season or McDavid just on a tear. Right. So it, it just requires patience and people just need to relax. And that's why, you know, heading into the, the next topic here is, you know, the Quentin Byfield situation where LA they're really smart with their prospects and handling and their development. That's why they have one of the, the deepest prospect pool in the entire NHL. They're not rushing guys into the NHL right away. And uh, we saw him and Arthur Kaliev get sent down to uh, Ontario and play in the AHL. And then you saw a lot of people on Twitter just saying, just ripping in them saying, oh, if you're a top three pick, you should be NHL ready right away. It's like, come on, that, that stuff is ridiculous. So I just wanted to know what your uh, point of view and your intakes on what the Byfield situation is like. And I'm guessing you guys agree with me that you guys shouldn't rush a player in. And uh, yeah, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think as much as we talked about Byfield, I think everyone, at least we knew, and the people, some of the people we talked to knew that Byfield was anything but NHL ready this year, mm-hmm. maybe even next year, and that the whole talk about Byfield being ranked so high was his ceiling, and that in five, six years, there's an argument to be made that Byfield could be the better player than Alexi Lafreniere, uh, being an explosive, dominant center who who plays physical, who I've drawn similarities to Malkin in a, in a way, I think that was what everyone knew. Everyone said Lafreniere is better right now. He can step into the league easier as, as most wingers can. That's let's remember that like it, the position thing is different, you know, like it's, it's a lot easier to step in as a winger. You don't have as much responsibility. Byfield had a lot of stuff to work on in his game. We saw it at the world juniors. Granted, I don't think uh, the criticism he took was necessarily valid, but um, that's, that's how it's always been. And, and we've seen that before with a lot of players. There are players who are better right now. And then there are players who will, who will be better later on. And I think that's why Byfield was taken second overall. If, if the draft went purely by who's going to be ready right now, you could argue Byfield would have fallen out of the top five. So yeah, that's just how it is. And I, I just think give him time, give him a few years and then he'll, he'll step in and he's a good sort of not a replacement, but you know, Kopitar is on the latter half of his career um, and you have, Turcotte and Byfield stepping in. You kind of want to get the young guys integrated at the same time, rebuilding at the same time. And that's kind of what the Sens are doing with Josh Norris uh, and, and Tim Stutzel. It's what the Leafs did when, when Matthews and Marner came in. It's what Montreal is doing now with um, Romanov and, and all the younger players. So just take your time. And that's the thing that we've been saying so much in this podcast is take your time with these prospects because um, yeah, they all develop differently. 
I think an example in recent history that comes to mind is Kale McCarr. He he spent two years um, in college after the NHL draft, and look how good he was in his rookie season. So, I, and I have no doubt that Byfield could could perform that way in a season or two. Um, it's, it's interesting. I was having this discussion with my friends um, about tanking and 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 letting your player your prospects play in junior or the AHL for a couple of years, and and they were kind of saying that teams have an obligation to try and win, you know, like this season, like LA should play by field this season and, and go for it, even though they know they're not going to be a playoff team. But if teams have an obligation to win, then shouldn't they be thinking about winning in two three, four five years, like thinking long-term it's going to be better for Byfield to play another two years of junior or a year or two of junior. So, you know, I don't really get that argument. I think Detroit's doing the same thing where they're letting their guys, uh, you know, get the development they need in lower leagues before they rush them into the NHL. And uh, I think it's becoming more and more normal to to kind of think long-term like guys like Yeiserman are doing. And it paid off in Tampa Bay. I think it's going to pay off in Detroit. And you talk about how well LA are managing their prospects. And I think they could have another dynasty like they did in the, in the 2010s if they keep drafting as well as they're doing and keep developing as well as they're doing. I also think, so just real quick, just to touch on Byfield, I think a lot of it comes back to just the World Juniors, and we've seen it not even just this past year, but the year when Suzuki and Paling were there. Uh, Cody Glass had an amazing tournament, and Nick Suzuki had an underwhelming tournament. And then when Montreal made the trade for Suzuki, everyone was wishing that Montreal had Cody Glass because of his tournament. Ryan Paling outplayed Nick Suzuki. There are players over the course of this tournament who has not played well at the World Juniors, but have these people seen a Sudbury game? Have these seen people, have these people seen Byfield take over a game at the OHL level? You know that he wouldn't be ready right now. That's just, the, and that's not a knock on him. That's never a knock on a prospect to say they're not ready. So I just wanted to add that in there. Go ahead, Rain. Sorry. Yeah, for sure, man. Like uh, in terms of the the tanking point, you know, at the end of the day, long-term success is so important in the NHL and it's so hard to find. And, you know, if you think about it on that LA roster, who, who is Byfield going to replace, you know, is he going to take minutes from Anze Kopitar right now? No. Is he going to take minutes from Jeff Carter right now? No. I don't even think he's going to take minutes from Gabe Velarde, you know, Gabe Velarde's uh, an elite, elite talent. And at this point in the timeline for the Kings, Velarde's more developed and, you know, he's played in the AHL. He's dealt with injuries. He's been in that pro system for a while. So it's time for him to get a chance. Right. So, you got to throw darts at a dartboard and see which one sticks. And right now uh, being in the AHL for, for Quentin is, is the perfect opportunity for him. And he gets to ease into the pro game and uh, you know, hopefully if the OHL season starts up, he's there and Sudbury is going to be a team that's going to compete for the Memorial cup just because of uh, Quentin and him entering his third year. So there's stuff like that, but in terms of uh, other rookies and other young players that are playing really well, uh, the big one, I guess, for uh, a lot of hockey fans was the arrival of Kirill Kaprizov. And it's been a long time coming. A lot of people, I think I've been waiting four or five years for him to, to come to North America. And, and he's looked absolutely outstanding. Uh, I just wanted to know or wanted to ask you guys if you guys have watched any wild games and watched Kirill play. But from what I've seen, he looks like the real deal and he is awesome. And I can't wait, you know, three, four years down the line when we're going to be talking about him and Marco Rossi as one of the best duos in the NHL. Uh, heading into that question, have you guys seen Kirill play and uh, what are your thoughts on him so far? Yeah, I've seen probably about two Minnesota games so far this season. I saw the one against LA where he, he was just all over the ice. And I think the thing with him is a lot of times rookies, 
I think they're giving him the opportunity to do what he wants to do and be creative because he know he's so smart and he's pretty smart defensively as well. And I think just the risks he's taking, um, they're not really putting his team in danger. He's making really smart passes. He's, he's engaged in literally every single shift and um, he's been a ton of watch. I keep forgetting that he's 23. Uh, that's sort of been hard. And I, I don't know. I think, I think the Rossi, him playing so well makes the Rossi injury easier to swallow because they still have that other top line talent to look forward to. And right now, I think I know it's early, but you could say that he's the clear cut favorite to win the caller, depending on how, how other rookies pick up. But um, yeah, he's just a true, a true top line talent and he's been a joy to watch. And it's funny if you guys have been seeing Don Lushizen's tweets about Minnesota saying, Oh, they're such a boring team of boring organization. And then when Kaprizov does something fun, he switches over and he's like, Oh, there's so much fun to watch. And, and it's cool because Minnesota has been that middling team forever. Uh, as, as long as I can remember, they have some brutal, brutal contracts and having him, uh, having Rossi and, and, the, and the players they do, it, it's been fun. And I'm, I'm excited to see what Minnesota does uh, in the next couple of years. I think there's no doubt that he's the Calder favorite. I mean, it, I, I was between him and laugh for me and uh, early signs aren't good for laugh and early signs are incredible for him. So uh, I think he's walking away with it pretty early. I mean, it would take something from Lafreniere to take it away from him. Um, uh I also don't think that uh, Lafreniere will be able to shine as much in that division, whereas Kaprizov will. And also on his team, you know, Kaprizov is the star, whereas Lafreniere has got guys ahead of him. But you're right that Minnesota has been such a middle of the pack team, honestly, for a decade now. Um, so I'm really hoping they kind of jumpstart a revolution here. You know, they've got a lot of good guys in the system. Matthew Boldy, uh, Ryan O'Rourke, Kalen Addison, former Penguin. Yep. Um and, and Rossi, as you said. So I'm, I'm hoping in a couple of years they can really start to turn it around because they do have a really good defense corpse. I mean, people don't really think about it because like we said, Minnesota is not really too much of a relevant team, but like Jared Spurgeon is arguably a top 10 defender in the league. Um, they got pretty good goaltending. And, uh, you know, I'm not a neutral, but if I was a neutral fan, I'm really glad that Minnesota are on a kind of on a good track because, you know, you want as much competition as possible in the league, right? And uh, as, as good as the NHL can be in comparison to the NBA or, or soccer, for instance, um, it has been lacking, I think, in recent years. Like Tampa's been such a dynasty, uh, Chicago, L.A. So I, I, I'm hoping that Minnesota can, can enter that conversation because they are so fun to watch uh, this year. And uh, I'm hoping they can keep that up. Minnesota's a good hockey place too. Sorry, Ryan. Like in the playoffs, Minnesota's bumping. Like that's it's, fun. It's the state of hockey. Like it's it's yeah. literally the biggest state in the entire country in terms of hockey. So uh, to say that like uh, they're irrelevant, maybe in in Canada, but in the states, the entire state of Minnesota, everyone's focusing on the hockey team. So uh, and that goes back to your conversation, Kyle, with uh, your friends in terms of tanking. Like, would would you rather be a team that's mediocre for the next ten years? or have five years of, you know, pretty bad years, but also five years of just being a legitimate contender and competing for cups rather than just being that average team. Like it, you see it with the Habs, you know, like, sorry, Pat, but that's okay. You know, like it's mediocrity. It sucks. I'd rather be really bad or really good than be just average for 10 years because, you know, you can't get out of that. And Minnesota was stuck with that for a while and they were stuck with it for the entire uh, decade, you know, they, they would win maybe one series, but then you play a team that's, you know, a dynasty like Chicago and you're not winning a series against them, that type of thing. So that's why tanking is sort of something that's okay because you're preparing for the future. So I'd rather be, you know, shit for five years and then be a stud team for the next five than rather be just average for 10 years because 
it's so miserable. It is miserable. I know, and Pat, I'm sure you can speak to it. Yeah, yeah, it's what kind of what I've been saying for the past couple of years, and um, and we don't we don't have to touch on the Habs because I can go on about this. But what I've what I've kind of been saying is how uh, the trades that Montreal's been making uh, this offseason aside, because Bergevin had a tremendous offseason, one of his oh, best, unreal, games. yeah, but. But before all these moves that they were making never were really indicative of like a big plan. And I wasn't really sure which way they were going. And then they were consistently maybe make a playoffs, maybe went around, but maybe be out of it, get a 15th overall pick here and there. Um, this year they got yeah, 16. It sucks. It's not fun. Yeah. And I, I was, I was hoping that they would tank. I was hoping, you know, sell off the older guys and, and get a good pick. So um, I, I'm always team tank or team contend. I, I don't, I think it's very hard to be a team that kind of rides the middle and Minnesota is proof of that. This has become a weird pro tanking conversation, but it's important to note that at the end of the day, like NHL teams are businesses, right? So yeah, they long-term success is going to be what makes the most money. Right. And uh, as somebody, you know, a Penguins fan, you know, 15 years ago, you know, we tanked. Like, uh, I don't know how public it was back then, but it was public. We, it was uh, okay, we public. absolutely did, and obviously we got lucky winning that uh, Crosby lottery. But and I think we're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go through it again in, in five to ten years. And uh, you're, I'm absolutely on your side, Rain. That I'd rather be awful for five years and just let Jake Gensel have some fun out there by himself and and yeah. rebuild than than try to trade and be middle of the pack and. Uh, you know, my condolences to you, Patrick, uh, for having to be a Habs fan, but uh, it's looking good so far this year. So, yeah, you got to bite the bullet to be successful. And that's what the Blackhawks and Penguins did. Uh, you know, the Pens had what back to back to back first over, top two picks. They had Fleury, Malk and Crosby, right? If I don't recall, something like that. Either way, you have to suck to be a dynasty at first. And 06 so. too, we had top three. Stahl. Jared Stahl. Stahl. Right? Yeah. Could have taken Castle. Or caves, but it's okay. Yeah, that yeah. Hey, it's the way she goes, right? Uh, and that's how hockey works. Even Backstrom, right? He was available there that year, same draft, I think. Either way, uh, before we get into our, I guess, our Calder picks, uh, I want to talk about the Ottawa Senators. And last year, I don't think I watched a lot of Ottawa games just because they sucked. But this year, I've I've wanted to watch every single game, and that's pretty much because of their young guys. Maybe. You know, everyone's looking at Timmy Stutzla and, you know, rightfully so. He had a good first NHL goal. But the one player I'm really excited about is uh, Josh Norris. He has looked fantastic on that top line alongside Jake Batherson and Brady Kachuk. I think that's been probably my favorite line all year just because the the physicality they bring, uh, the electricity they bring on the offensive end, and then on the power play. Their power play is so much fun to watch because – you have those three guys and then you have Dadanov, and then you have Shabbat running the power play. And it's so much fun to watch and they have a lot of good talent and you can see that something's actually happening in Ottawa. How's Matt Murray looking? Good. Good. Yeah. I, I, thought he's I good. haven't watched much Ottawa. No, I, I, I picked Matt Murray in one of my fantasy leagues. So I, I had a feeling he'd, he'd be a good goalie this year, but no, Ottawa has been great. And I think um, this is something that I've been saying on, I said it on my other show and I, I'll say it again. And I think, Ottawa is in a position to really upset some teams and everyone kind of knows that they're going to be a bottom, a bottom tier team. Um, I don't think they're guaranteed to be last though, because Winnipeg, from what I've seen, at least Winnipeg has been pretty horrendous um, and Ottawa plays really well as a team. They play a full 60 minutes. They grind. And, and we saw that in the game they won against uh, the first game against the Maple Leafs. Um, this is a very uh, gritty 
relentless forechecking team and add Stutzel, add Josh Norris, who've been excellent. And um, I think they can take some pride in knowing that they can play spoiler to a bunch of teams. And um, to talk about Stutzel, he's been, He's been just good, I would say. I know he's injured, but first couple of games I noticed him. It was super, his first NHL goal. I don't know if you guys saw the slow motion cam of the puck facing him. It was like on, basically out of midair. It was really good, and he's been a ton of fun. And Josh Norris getting the one C minutes, I think, has been really cool. He's been he's been perfect. And Rain, I know you're a big fan of him, and oh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's been fun. And I like the Gauchenek addition. Shabbat looks better, and uh, you know, for all the flack Dorian took, and I grant that some of it was justified. I've I've been pretty pleased watching Ottawa and. And uh, they're fun, and I think they're going to be pretty good in the next couple of years. I think uh, DJ Smith doesn't get the credit he deserves, honestly. Uh, he coached some really high-skilled teams, obviously that Windsor team uh, that won back-to-back Memorial Cups, Oshawa as well. Those were highly skilled teams, but they were not fun to play against. Like they're, they, they ran four lines that, that could play well. And, um, you know, as a Knights fan, it, it was never fun to play against DJ Smith. So... There's another team that uh, that could be a cup contender in, in five years. Yeah, DJ Smith is a fantastic coach. That Oshawa team is probably my favorite junior team of all time, maybe. If you think about it, you know, that team was just so much fun. They knocked out McDavid in the OHL uh, finals there. Cole Castles did a fantastic job shutting them down. And you see it right now with DJ Smith's, uh, you know, neutral zone plan and trying to trap them and playing a really defensive game and it works. It, it works because it, you know, worked at the junior level against the greatest, you know, talent ever in McDavid. And, you know, they had such a good roster. A lot of guys ended up, you know, being NHLers right now, but yeah, I, I'm a really big fan of Ottawa and what they're doing. And, you know, now three years later, who would have thought that Ottawa looks like they've won the Eric Carlson trade. Isn't that crazy? Like we were all in first year when that trade happened and everyone's like, Oh my goodness. Uh, San Jose's robbed Ottawa, but I told everyone, I'm like, Hey, like Josh Norris is legit. Like that guy's a legit prospect and you never know what could happen. You know, Eric's coming off a bunch of, you know, really major injuries and stuff like that. And then you get that first round pick that turns into the top five pick and Ottawa's back in, back in motion after the Matt Duchesne debacle. And uh, now they're, they're on track to having a really good team in the future. So excited for them. Uh, one more thing I, I want to touch on is uh, a defenseman, Patrick, you've been a really big fan of his and uh, so have I, uh, Alexander Romanov, a lot of people heading into this year was saying, maybe he's not NHL ready. I was actually one of those guys. I thought he should have, I, I thought that having a year in the A would have done, you know, really good for his development, but I was wrong because he stepped into that top six and he's looked fantastic and he's playing you know, very good minutes and he's being very productive and, you know, who he's playing with. And Pat, you've watched all the Habs games, so you can, you know, speak to it the most, but what have, what has impressed you the most about uh, Romanov's play? Call me a homer, but honestly, everything, I, it's hard to find a flaw in his game so far. And look, I was really skeptical about Romanov coming in. I remember when Montreal picked him, everyone said that was a reach. A lot of people had him in the fourth or fifth round and Montreal picked him 38th overall. And um, I didn't know much about him or, or I think, really too much of the later round picks at the time, but um, he was playing in Seska and he played handful of games, getting five minutes, didn't score a goal. His last professional goal was in like 2018 and everyone was saying he's this no upside player. And then he comes to the world juniors and he completely dominates more so defensively than offensively. And he's, he's been a good skater and I didn't really know what to expect. And what was weird for me was seeing all the Montreal media hype him up before coming into town. And that's something that, 
you really got to be careful with uh, in a market like Montreal is, is, is labeling someone kind of the savior. And, and he stepped in and he looks calm. He looks like he's been playing in the NHL for a long time. He's making smart, smart outlet passes. He's good on the break. He's joining the rush. Um, a couple small errors here and there, but that's kind of like what most defensemen do. And uh, most rookie defensemen too. Yeah. Know, most, yeah. Playing. And, yeah, and, and I've, I've just been really impressed with him. And uh, I think his defensive awareness, uh, someone drew comparisons to uh, a prime Nick Jalmerson, which I think is actually not a bad comparison at all. And um, I've been really impressed. A little impressed more offensive and, upside too. A little more yeah. offensive upside too with Romo. Yeah, and, and I, I've just, last night he was playing in three-on-three OT, joining the rush. And uh, I, I'm really impressed. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't expect him to be this good. I thought he'd be more of a stay-at-home defenseman, but but seeing him join the rush offensively has been a lot of fun. And uh, I'm impressed, yeah. Is he getting any power play time? Yeah, he's on the second power play wave. And the first two games, he finished top three in ice time. After game one against Toronto, Weber, Petrie, and then it was Romanov with the third most ice time. So they're giving him all the chances. So can't be upset as a Habs fan. And he's earned it too. He's certainly yeah. earned it. He's looked fantastic yeah. out there. And uh, hey, comes to show you, you know, it really doesn't matter where you get picked. And all the Rasmus Sandin comparisons, we, we see that all the time. I, I saw something on my feed the other day where, uh, someone was talking about Romanov and how, you know, impressive he's looked. But then right away, it's, oh, Sandin's still a better prospect. Watch out for him. It's, yeah. it, it sucks that, you know, in order to praise one guy, you got to put him down too and say that guy's better. Uh, it sucks. And, you know, in terms of the Leafs, it's like, hey, you know, your your defensive core isn't the best. Uh, a lot of people know that. Maybe you give Sandin a chance. And I know you want to touch on that a little bit, Pat, but uh in terms of that yeah i think romanov's an absolute perfect fit he could be a dark horse for the caller you never know right that's what what was the watson watson i'm in a bet um Pronman had him ranked pretty high didn't he um where do you remember where he had him it was uh, relatively high well it was in the top well, figure, 10 yeah but no just to touch on the romanov and sandine thing and again we're seeing this with the uh, nick roberts and cole caulfield debate that debate makes sense because they are small forwards who score goals. And this debate doesn't really make sense to me um, because they play completely different styles. Um, I kind of compared Romanov to maybe a McDonough, maybe a Matias Ekholm, uh, kind of stay-at-home defensive guy um, who can put up offense and can and can move the puck, whereas Sandin's a lot more mobile but lacks the defensive play. It doesn't really make sense. But just to touch on Sandin, because I really like Rasmus Sandin. I think, he's, I think he's a good prospect. I think he's a very smart player. But we have to look – and I was talking about this with some friends other, the other day – like he played on a suits team that scored like 330 goals. And then he was on a power play with Sweden with like, um, Fajemo. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Fajemo Holtz Raymond that was just dominating. And I feel like some of his offensive points have been inflated a little bit. And I guess the argument I don't understand for Sandine is if he's this amazing prospect, like, is he not being given the chance in Toronto because their defense is too good. But at the same time, you're hearing arguments that Toronto's giving up so many, shots because their defenseman's so bad so kind of pick a lane there and 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 figure it out because either he's this amazing prospect who's going to make the Leafs defense which isn't bad or their decor is so good that there's no room for him and I just I'm seeing both sides and I'm not trying to to rip on Sandin because I, I really like him and I think he's a good prospect but these comparisons with Romanov don't make any sense because they're different players and this argument that he's so good but he's not making the the roster you know while guys like Bogosian do it just it's a little flawed to me well, you know, it could be a case that they don't see Sandine as uh, someone that's going to be useful in, on that bottom pair. You know, they, they see him as the, a power play guy, a top two pairing guy. And uh, obviously they made a lot of moves to be harder to play against, bringing in Bogosian and Simmons and, 
and so maybe that's why Rasmus Sandin isn't playing it. I mean, I don't really understand it. Uh, I think he's a chance. There's a chance that he, if he was playing right now, he, people would be talking about him with as much praise as Romanoff. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. It's beyond me. Uh, I think they need to get him playing now. Uh, I'd yeah. I'd play him over some. Like that's the thing is like. He, he played 28 games last year, the year before, and he looked good doing it. He scored his first goal, I think, against Nashville. He's a good defenseman, and I think, you know, you look at the way someone like Zach Bogosian's playing, I, I have, there's no doubt in my mind that, that Sandine can't be more useful than, than Zach Bogosian. So, I know, maybe they want to stick with the whole gritty play. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, you see with Chicago, you know, they're not very good right now, but, you know, they're letting their young guys play. Adam Volkvist is playing top two minutes. Ian Mitchell's been a very good player, so at the end of the day, you still have to give your young guys some, some chance there. Uh, trust your development, trust your guys and see, see what they're made of. You know, uh, Rasmus Sandin was an elite defenseman at the HL level. So it's time for him to, you know, make that next step. So we'll see what happens with the Leafs, but nonetheless, I think Romanov and Sandin are both really good prospects and, yeah. you know, I think they'll, they'll be very good defensemen for years to come. But uh, I guess before we, uh, you know, log off this episode of In the System. Let's uh, share our Calder takes. And uh, I know, Kyle, you said at the beginning of the show that uh, you were on Kaprizov and, and laughed. Uh, for me, yeah, like, obviously Kaprizov is the obvious answer, but I wanted to go outside the box and, you know, give a different answer. So that's why I went with Josh Norris. Uh, you know, the 1C, uh, you know, ice time. And plus who he's playing with, he's playing with Brady Kachuk, who's already one of the best power forwards in the entire league at this age, which is bonkers to think about because he's what, year three now, year three. So uh, him and then Drake Batherson, who's looked fantastic with the puck. And I think that top line is going to put numbers for Ottawa. And I think they're going to be, uh, you know, carrying a lot of the weight there. So that's why I picked Josh Norris. And uh, I don't know, what do you boys think? Yeah, I in my other show I said Kaprizov, and um, that is my Calder pick. But if I were to just kind of name some others, um, if I could make sort of a hipster pick, I might say Elias Sorokin because I know that there are some injuries in uh, mm-hmm. in in the Islanders, and I think he might get a chance to to do some damage. Just Sturkin is, is the other one. But um, if I really want to go outside the box, um, aside from Kaprizov, I mean it's hard to go outside the box. I mean this this rookie class, aside from Kaprizov and Laugh, like. I feel like any of these guys can sort of make a case, but um, here, let's name guys uh, underrated guy, Liam foodie. Yeah. Know Kyle, uh, you saw a lot of him in London. Maybe he could, he does something. I'm just naming random rookies. Ty Smith. Ty Smith. Oh, Ty Smith. Uh, he gets power play time with the devil. So yeah, there's that. Uh, Owen Tippett. Owen Tippett. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Saga boy or Steelheads legend. So there's that. Romanov. Romanov. Uh, who else? I'll go. Yeah, Sam Steele, uh, I guess, but he played last year, so I guess Hayden, not. Hayden's playing. Hayden is the other one. Uh, mm-hmm. Bronneman had him third. Yeah. Who else? I'm trying to think of other I'm guys. Looking now, yeah. So my. Uh, I guess Marco I guess Rossi when he comes back. Yeah, Rossi John, when he gets back, but yeah. I think the injury hurts him in terms of Calder votes because he didn't play the entire year, right? So. Hosen's Shesterkin. Yeah, you said just Oh, I said just Yeah, I don't know. It's hard because I, I feels like any pick that isn't Stutzel, Laugh, or Kaprizov is is out of the box as a yeah, wild. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think to be honest. Yeah, I think if if anyone's going to win the Calder on the set, it's going to be Norris. Yeah, just because of the one C minutes and yeah, just because he's a little bit older and like think about it. Last year he led the AHL in points. You yeah. know, like that. 
as what a 20 year old, 21 year old to lead the HL in points. Like that, that's a pretty good shot to win the, the call there because you dominate already at the pro level. So yeah, exactly. And Kaprizov too. Like he, he was a very, very good player in the KHL, which is the second best league in the entire world. So yeah, yeah. Those are the two guys. That's why I just, I, I pick guys that are a little bit older. They'll have more experience and Stutzla. I mean, Still one hell of a talent, but uh, if anyone on Ottawa is going to win uh, the Calder, I think it's going to be Norris. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I wasn't aware we were doing hipster picks, so I only really prepared <laughs> to tell you why Kirill Kaprizov is going to win the Calder. Well, I I, well, I think everyone's picking Kaprizov. That's why I just want to That's why you got to have a hipster one. Yeah, you yeah. got to have a hipster one because All right. literally 95% of the hockey world's like, oh, Kaprizov's so good. I'm going to pick him for the Calder. It seems like such a underrated take, but everyone's picking it. So Yeah. It's Gabe not- Velarde, I think we don't really know Ooh, what he's capable of with yeah. those injuries, right? He's 2017 draft. So, uh, you know, had he been playing in the NHL by now, he could already be, you know, up there in that discussion. Um, I haven't gotten a look at him so far, but obviously with those injuries, I, I hope the best for him. Um, but I, it's going to be cappers off. Like mm-hmm. he, for the past three, four years, he's been almost a point per game in the KHL. He's been a point per game last year in the KHL uh, at the Olympics. Uh, although obviously the competition wasn't as high as it should be. Uh, he had nine points. Um, and yeah, I think he's just going to run away with it. I, I think you look at that 2015 draft, obviously there's that top tier with McDavid, Eichel, and uh, I'd throw in like Anthony Sorelli in there, but I think he's just below that, honestly. Um, uh I'm doing these redrafts. Uh, 2017 is the next one, so I'm gonna have Josh Norris a lot higher than 19. But I think when I, by the time I get to 2015, uh, off might even sneak into that top 10. Hey, speaking of what 2017, uh, even the like the drafts, I guess after Matthews, a lot of the guys are looking really good now. They're starting to step into you know who they can be. Nolan Patrick dealt with a, a shit ton of injuries in his career. And he's looked really good so far with uh, Philly. And now with the Couturier injury, injury he's going to have a bigger role. So I'm really excited to see how he looks because I was really high on him when he was uh, coming into the NHL. And I still think he has the potential to be a 1C. And that's the thing with Philadelphia. I think one of the first things uh, when I talked to Patrick, like in general, was the development of Sean Couturier. It took him a long, long time to get to where he is now. And that's why with centers, you got to be patient with them. And with any prospect. Uh, you know, it took five or six years for Couturier to step into who he is now. Uh, Braden Shen as well. It took him a while to, you know, get comfortable. And then now he's an elite player for St. Louis. And now we can see the same with Nolan Patrick, you know, he had the injuries. He struggled a little bit uh, in his first few years at the NHL, but now I think he'll get a little more comfortable and he'll be a very good, very good player. So. Yeah. And if you, if you look at the, the 2017, because we're, we're talking about 2017, you look at the centers there, um, Miro or uh, Elias Pettersson, he he was a guy at the time mm-hmm. Jim Benning didn't want, and people saw him as a lanky, weak centerman who had skill, and a lot of people had him going later in the later not later in the first round, but outside the top five. Um, even Leon Dreisaitl, he had a he had a rough rookie year as a center, and people were questioning the pick. Like this this has happened with every single center. Kakniemi, even though I am kind of getting a little bit worried about his play, but um, centers historically over time, Dylan Larkin went fifteenth overall. Matt Barzell went fifteenth or sixteenth um, overall. This is just that's just a theme. And and then speaking of Philly, you mentioned Couturier. You can see the exact same thing about Jacob Voracek, and um, you know in his early twenties he was consistently getting forty to fifty points, and then late twenties. And now he's been putting up 70 points and, and it just shows how, how people just take time. So there's so many examples that in the penguins organization too, with these guys yeah. that come out of college, like Brian yeah. Rust. So 
yeah, completely right. Um, you got to stick with your guys if you're confident in them and, and so, some guys just take longer than others. Not everybody's like we said, is going to step into the league and, and play like Austin Matthews or yeah. Yeah. Connor McDavid. And also it's a lot of luck. You know, it depends on the situation that you're brought in. Uh, if you're rushed in too early, it, it hinders your development. If you're brought in too late, it could hurt it as well. Uh, you got to find the right situation and you got to find the right players who are playing in the right situations and juniors. So a lot of things factor in it, but uh, I think a lot of it's luck. So, you know, uh, we'll see what happens, but I think this was a really good episode to get back in a, uh, the swing of things. Uh, you know, we got some big plans for future episodes. We're going to get another guest in next episode for sure, because we've gone two consecutive episodes with that one. So hmm. very excited for another interview get some uh, juice back into the in, in yeah. the system account. Yeah. Uh, this was a really good episode six. I'm really excited for the rest of the regular season. Hopefully more of the junior leagues in Canada start back up again because uh, you know, or they're getting behind and the 2021 draft, uh, I feel bad for those prospects because uh, yeah. they need that exposure, but yeah, that does it for episode six of in the system. I'm your host, Rain Hernandez and uh, Patrick Talon and Kyle Watson as always. And we will see you guys next time.